Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, along with special guests Craig Dickinson from the Reading Between the Reels podcast, we have a discussion about the new film Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to support Forest Ghost Conversations on Patreon. If you're a fan of the podcast and like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Also, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Forest Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Force Ghost Conversations. And yes, this is our first kind of foray into outside of the Lucasfilm realm, if you will, where we're not talking about Star Wars, we're not talking about Indiana Jones, we're not talking about Willow, we're not even talking about THX 1138 or even American Graffiti. We're talking today about Rebel Moon. Yes, the new film from director Zack Snyder on Netflix, Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire. And I'm thrilled to bring Craig Dickinson from Reading Between the Reels onto the show to have a wonderful in-depth discussion about this film and break it down at all avenues and lengths. Um, it's a, I really enjoyed the movie, and I hope you got a chance to watch it on Netflix um, before, at least before listening to this episode, but maybe you listen to this and you're going to go back and watch it yourself, or you're, you're watching it in anticipation of this podcast. All that fun stuff is on the table here, and I hope that you get to do that in, in, uh, in anticipation for part two coming out in April, and then the director's cuts, the extended versions coming out later in the summer, I do believe. But before we get into all that, let's just quickly touch upon the news in the Star Wars Lucasfilm Galaxy this week, um, which, of course, if you've been in, uh, you know, haven't been under a rock or anything like that, you may have seen that a new Bad Batch trailer for the final season, season three, debuted this week. And we'll be touching upon all of that in a deep dive conversation in next week's podcast. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. But just some little bits of news here. So the season will premiere on February 21st. Um, with a three-episode premiere on that date. So you got episode one titled Confined, episode two titled Paths Unknown, and episode three titled Shadows of Tantus. So very exciting to see all that come out to play. Uh, Finally got some Bad Batch news, of course, too, which I know fans have been clamoring for for quite some time. And February 21st doesn't seem too far away, but i got to be honest, it's been a while since we've had a a Star Wars show since Ahsoka um, concluded back in... September, I believe, September, October is somewhere in that range. And now that we finally have had almost five, six months pass, it's time for some new Star Wars blood to come into the foray and get this final season of Bad Batch underway so that we can kind of see how the story concludes. And I know there's just a lot of great stuff in that trailer to begin with. So they really set us up for some wonderful action packed episodes coming up with some great ties to the grand Star Wars universe, which of course we'll be covering in next week's episode. Also this week, we got a new comic book announcement. Yes, a four-issue series from Marvel titled Darth Maul Black, White, and Red will be coming out in April. So that looks really cool. We got some cover art for this series as well, uh, which was done by Alex Malev. You can find this, of course, on StarWars.com. And featuring Maul and all sorts of his red and black evil goodness and... uh, 
It's written by Benjamin Percy and illustrated by Stefan, Stefano Raphael, I believe. I hope I said that correctly. And it will arrive at your local comic book shop in April 25th. And it finds Darth Vader, uh, I'm sorry, not Darth Vader, Darth Maul, in fact, dispatched by Palpatine to investigate a prison ship that goes offline. And the vessel, however, is transporting a group known as the Final Occultation and Horrors Await. So... That sounds like a very promising and exciting comic book run. I know the mall issue, the six issue run that they did a couple of years ago is one of my favorite Star Wars comics uh, in, in the new canon. Uh, really appreciate that run about almost a prequel to the Phantom Menace mall um, and, and shared a lot of great details about that and some connections to Rebels as well in that one. So I also would recommend checking that book out as well before even heading into, into this foray then. But that's all the news that I had for this week, folks. Again, we'll be back in our next episode to chat about that Season 3 trailer for The Bad Batch. So be on the lookout for that. We'll do our full discussion there. Maybe I'll even get Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations on to chat about it for a little bit or at least to get her thoughts for, for a minute. Uh, that sounds like a good idea. So I'll have to chat with her about that for sure. Uh, but we'll be back on the other side of this break with our Rebel Moon discussion with Craig Dickinson. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome back to Forest Ghost Conversations. And, you know, we talk a lot of Star Wars here. We talk Indiana Jones, we talk Willow, we talk really anything that falls under the Lucasfilm header. But we're also going to start branching off into the Star Wars adjacent things. And with that, we're here to break down none other than Zack Snyder's epic foray into a space opera known as Rebel Moon. Yes, the number one country, number one film on Netflix in many countries around the world rebel moon and here to break it down with us is none other than craig dickinson of the reading between the reels podcast craig how are you doing my friend anthony i'm doing great so glad to be back on the show and to talk about rebel moon yes yes uh you, you we bonded over snyder many moons ago at star wars yep. celebration so i knew you were my go-to call to talk about rebel moon and you know frankly i want to start in talking about a more granular topic when it comes to Rebel Moon and kind of the aura that has surrounded over the last couple of weeks in the discussion here. Um, and, and, and frankly, I want to talk about the critical reception for this movie. And, you know, you, you do such a great job on uh, reading between the reels, breaking this, every film holistically a part of it. And, and a little bit of it is, it is the, the, the critical and the public reception of films that goes into it as well. So it appears that critics ha are in general are not liking the movie which, you know, is fine. They're allowed to have their opinion. <laughs> but I have been seeing more and more negative, almost hit piece-like articles attacking Snyder and his fans rather than being hypocritical, you know, rather than being hypercritical of the movie itself. So what are your thoughts about how critics have been responding to this film before we even get into the breakdown of the film itself? <laughs> uh, honestly, Anthony, it's, it's pretty silly. And, it is, yeah. And unfortunately, it's it's quite predictable. Mm. You know, when I saw the Rotten Tomato score drop immediately, I was like, "Yeah, that's about what I'd figured they'd they'd go with." Mm. And and then I kind of glutton for punishment decided I was to read some of those reviews, and then I mm. saw things that I'm sure that you saw where you, oh, yeah. you know, apparently we're part of a cult because we enjoy Zack Snyder films. <laughs> uh, and and I and I don't know all of i don't know the entire internet but but i can't recall anybody else any other filmmaker whose fans receive this kind of treatment like i'm no. not personally i'm not a fan of say the fast and the furious franchise mm -hmm. 
but they're massively popular money makers, but also inherently silly. Yes. Right. But you don't see people that are fans of those films being made fun of or trashed or bad yes. mouth for, for liking those films. Right. I, you know, have, enjoy that. If that's what you like, go have fun with it. Not for me. That's great. But it seems with Zack Snyder, it's just like, what, what did he do to these people other than, <laughs> you know, not necessarily call out every single troll on every single platform. Yeah social media platform when you know this the Snyder cat was coming was coming together like that literally seems to be the only thing that like people have tried to say what he's done wrong and apparently the guy is a good enough guy where people want to work with him again because he has this whole cast of people oh, that he continually works from behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes to in front of the camera so um i i just don't understand the vitriol toward Zack Snyder and those of us who just enjoy what Zack Snyder does is just i don't get it i agree like we lived through the BVS wars, as I like to call them. I remember <laughs> watching the movie on opening night and then, you know, just seeing on the, the internet chatter, people aggressively hating it. And I was like, whoa, did we watch two different movies here? What, what mm -hmm. happened? <laughs> and it, it's just ever, it stemmed, stemmed ever since that. I think a little bit of Man of Steel too, but frankly, when has a Snyder film ever been positively, super positively received? I think it might've been Snyder's Justice League, I think, you know, has probably the most critical positive critical reception overall and then i think dawn of the dead perhaps is the other one yeah. you gotta go really been... far back like yeah i was like i'm bookending like, here the beginning as, yeah <laughs> as soon as you get to watchmen it's like the things diverge immediately so and i'm like which, what and that wasn't gonna it? please everybody he, he seems so genuine in interviews like he's not I, bad mouthing people he's not creating toxic work environments on set like other Hollywood directors are exactly and I just see you saw the headline. I mean, you you actually went deep into the to the reviews on some of these folks, and they're just like, you know, I think one that stood out to me was like, this film was only you'll only like it if you're a Snyder cultist or something like that. And I'm like, I think it's just a good movie in general. I enjoyed it. I had yeah. a good time. And I'm just like, what happened to the days where, you know, I think like I'm gonna give a great plug here. Your reading between the reels podcast does an excellent job. You have a formula basically where you break down every film that you you talk about and you look at it from the writing the cinematography the cg whatever all that that encompasses into the film you kind of review every film on the same scale when you talk about it right. and you know i'm able to say for certain films i've watched throughout my life like yeah i didn't personally enjoy it but i can tell you it's a good it's a well-made film right there are other right. aspects of it other than my opinion taking out of it where like if i was telling people if they should go see it or not I'd say like I personally didn't like it, but overall, this is actually a very well-made film that just, there was just some pieces I personally didn't like the direction that they took on, but that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's art. It's subjective. Right. And it just seems like for this gentleman whatsoever, the vitriol just, they just run free with it. And it's, it's wild to see. <laughs> yeah. Everything's so binary now. It's like, it's either the greatest film ever, or it's hundred percent trash. And that's just yeah. not the way I consume films. I'm like, I tend to do it in, in degrees. It's like, this is a movie that I only need to see once, or I can watch this every couple of years, or this is a movie I have to own, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there, or this is oh, we yeah. have to see in the theater. It's all these different degrees of things that we've lost the nuance with that too. And, yes. and I was thinking back when I was thinking about this too, is like when I was a kid and I'm significantly older than you, but that's fine. <laughs> But growing up in the 80s, it was like we didn't have Rotten Tomatoes and you basically yeah. had Siskel and Ebert and maybe Gene Shalit and maybe a few others. 
And that was, you basically just got to make up your own mind and you yeah. didn't feel like almost like this inherent pressure to, I have to like movies that have a high Rotten Tomatoes score. That means they're good. Oh, yeah. If they're poor Rotten Tomatoes score, then that means they're probably trash and I shouldn't like them. And if I do, then I'm some kind of weirdo for whatever. It was like, oh, yeah. they just, movies just came out and you watched them or you didn't. You enjoyed them or you didn't. Yeah. And it was okay whether or not you did. So. And I think another I thing that. too, yeah, I, I, I totally missed that. I mean, even in the early 2000s a bit, like all that conversation about media was kind of in the, on the internet was even segmented to a certain, you know, just certain chat rooms and stuff like that and message boards. Whereas now with social media and the explosion of all that, everyone has a ability to send out a review or to create an account on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, and then they can try and influence the scores and review bomb. And that's a whole separate conversation uh, to influence scores and then influence people's decisions on that front. But I agree with you on that. Like the whole nuance of making a decision yourself has almost kind of gone out of the way and people feel like yeah, there's like almost a negative stigma if you like a film that has a, a, a quote unquote negative connotation in the whatever the popular society deems it to be. Um, yeah, it's just it's just wild, especially how, you know, just seems like consistent theme with Snyder films that every time this comes out. I mean, we're still talking about BVS almost, you know, eight years later <laughs> and right. the choice is made in that film and whether or not people liked it. But maybe it's a sign of, you know, good, good art that we are able to have these positive, con you know, discussions about it years later and it's still in the positive lexicon of things so you know i just think that's that's something and and then you know what you brought up too i think in you know having making your own opinion and not having too many people influence it over in, in the 80s and stuff like that it, in today's day and age with social media too and these reviewers that you see it's almost like you can't change your opinion either like if you watch a film right. once and then maybe you revisit it a few weeks later, like it does, it doesn't feel like you're allowed to have that anymore. Um, especially with these people that are quote unquote paid critics to do that. Um, it, they, they see it once and they're in a dark room and they, they're constantly, you know, they're thinking about it. And then after, as soon as it ends, they're sending out their first reaction tweets and then they're writing up their review and that's it. They, they seen it once. They didn't have time to sit with it or marinate with it at all. They have to make a deadline so it's just like the whole system just work is working against the art in a way. And I see just as a larger problem for the industry in general, but those are bigger, bigger topics for, for no. Yeah. Other I, I love that industry. you said that because I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there is this, you know, this pressure to get those reviews out immediately. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're, it's, they're kind of under and the they're gun. looking That's for clickbait system. titles too. Yeah. There's that too. <laughs> absolutely. And you know, this, uh, I'm going to just sneak preview what I'm going to say later, but I, I, I've watched Rebel Moon twice now. I watched it the one time, had my mm -hmm. own thoughts about it. and was like, I need to watch it again. And I also wanted to watch it just to get it fresh for this conversation. Right, right. But I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. Yeah, yeah. I will agree on that. Seven, oh. I've seen it three times myself too. And that second time, you're just able to breathe a bit more. You're able to enjoy yep. and pick out the details. You're not overwhelmed with a whole new universe at once. You know, it makes right. me wonder... Let's say Star Wars 1977 comes out today. What would people react to it like? Would they say like, "Oh, it's a ripoff of Dune and Flash Gordon," and have the same criticisms that you know that at Rebel Moon is is getting accused of? Like, you know, there's isn't. I I wonder. That's a fair question. <laughs> sure. Um, well, enough negativity. Let's let's chat about the film itself here. And 
we're not really getting to the film yet at this point. I want to hear about your thoughts about just like hearing the title of Rebel Moon and when Zack Snyder's kind of discussing it at first, like when the project is announced and all that stuff and you're hearing like, oh, this is Zack Snyder's take on Star Wars or his approach to it or his, his quote unquote failed Lucasfilm pitch that, you know, people have been throwing around the internet, whatever that is. It's not a failed pitch. They just decided to do something different and he went on with it and created his own way. <laughs> but, you know, right. what was your reaction when you heard this film that was it was coming out and you started seeing uh, the trailers and all that stuff and getting the hype for it? How how did the film stand out to you before you saw it then? Uh, well, I was excited. I mean, like, like we kind of alluded to at the beginning or maybe straight up said, like, I'm a big Snyder fan, so I, I'm excited to see what he's going to do next. So just being a Snyder movie, period, I'm excited. Yeah. I also love sci-fi. And then knowing that, you know, and we'd all heard in the trades, you know, Snyder had to pitch to Lucasfilm and then that didn't get made in, from, from Lucasfilm. But the fact that it got made at all, like that stuff doesn't, usually you don't get to hear about the fact that something actually found another life in something else. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. My curiosity was obviously was peaked for that uh, immediately and knowing it was supposed to be Seven Samurai and being familiar with that story and like, okay, mm -hmm. well, how is this going to unfold? And then, yeah, the first trailer, I was just blown away with it and like loved the score already and knowing that, again, a lot of these guys that have worked on previous Snyder films are also working on this. And so, yes, give me the new stuff. Like, I, I know I like these things. I would like some more of that, please. Yeah, I agree. It's like getting the band back together when you get Zack Snyder and yep. you know that Junkie XL is going to do the score and all the, the great people have worked on his films in the past. Wesley Collier and all those folks are going to be behind the scenes putting it together. Um, I believe the writing duo has, has worked on both Army of the Dead films and the uh, uh, and 300, I believe. Uh, you know, So it's really a culmination of, of Snyder's work. Plus, I... In the interviews and this, the conversation leading up to this, I was able to see so much of like the passion that Zach had for this universe. Like this is really a fresh thing that has been just stuck in his head for all these years. That he's mm -hmm. now able to put pen to paper and say like this is it. This is the the rules of the universe. Here are where the big players are. Here's where this. And he's not you know, forced to fit into the sandbox that Lucasfilm would have probably forced him to be in. And frankly, you know, I'm in a way I'm glad that this isn't a Star Wars project because it would have hindered it into the creativity probably that Zach wanted it to be. Um, we, we've also seen what his work was like with a big studio and he had ideas and they had ideas and that those clashed mm -hmm. and that led to uh, a certain film coming out in 2017 and, and subsequently <laughs> a, a redo of that, that we had to fight for. So, um, you know, I, it was just, it's, I unabashedly I really like this movie a lot and you know the lead up to it just really got me more hyped than anything and then it was we got those that long like four minute trailer a couple months ago too like <laughs> little did we know they would encompass parts one and two a little bit in that trailer so I was like oh that's a cool shot maybe that's gonna be there or maybe it's in the director's cut so it's like oh what 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 else is out there like I, I'm so intrigued about what this world is going to offer and um now that we're finally here we can finally discuss it in great length of detail um so yeah let's let's get let's finally dive into this movie here we've been <laughs> chatted for a bit here all about the surrounding details and the build-up to it but let's actually get into it here and and uh you know this film has been touted as and we've talked even a little bit here already about this being like Zack snyder star wars quote unquote so what do you make of that statement and are the comparisons valid and or warranted I mean, if it's space opera, it's going to have to be compared to Star Wars. I mean, I, mm -hmm. even if it hadn't originally started off as you know a pitch for pitch for that. But what I find interesting about that is 
I don't know if that's an intellectually honest argument because Star Wars itself is a combination of so many other things yeah. and yes. has it, it's really there's a lot of Dune in Star Wars that really hasn't mm-hmm. officially been acknowledged, but like Dune is Arrakis. I mean, Arrakis is Tatooine, guys. Oh yeah, um, you know, yeah. There's there's so many things that shows them. Oh, anytime you're using the monomyth too, it's like, yeah, it's come on. <laughs> Um, a lot of stuff in there. Flash Gordon, obviously, Kurosawa films. In this, you know, Rebel Moon, yes, it borrows some from Star Wars, but it also borrows from Dune quite a bit. Um, the, the whole Seven Samurai thing, which has been done by Star Wars, and they don't get flack for that. In many rightfully ways, so. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great story. <laughs> yeah, it's been using the Clone Wars, using the Mandalorian. Um, you know, there's there's biblical references in this. Uh, the Roman Empire shows up in this. It's Battle Beyond the Stars. There's some like even like Alien, like Ridley mm-hmm. Scott's Aliens, mm-hmm. and some oh, of that I noticed yeah. like in. Yeah, like the interior of the ships, like it's used universe, but it looks like looks more like the Nostromo than it does like the Millennium Falcon. In my opinion. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I think you know there are certain things, and I've I've, I've read the reviews. Some of them are funny, um, like the pitch meeting had some funny stuff in there. Um, but like, yeah, this kind of feels like you know a pastiche of different scenes kind of put together. But even like when they walk into that bar at the beginning i was almost like hey this is kind of like the prancing pony that's kind of the feel i got from mm-hmm. it. it was even like a little bit of the hobbit in there and yeah it, that doesn't bug me when people like have their it's not like he tried to hide his influences either exactly and and lucas never did either so no, <laughs> like, it's absolutely unfair. not that's what i was saying like if, if star wars came out would people be doing that you know, oh, this is just Dune and Seven Samurai and, and this Republic serials from the 30s kind of put together into a into a hodgepodge. I think one of the biggest criticisms, even going back to that first question I asked you, was I think someone said like, oh, this is just someone put Star Wars through an AI generator and this is what came out on the other side. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not that, guys. It's not that. It's certainly inspired by it. And I think that's an unfair criticism to this. Like any other thing, if... Obviously, people are going to have influences and homages and references to things that they like, and we're all we're all creatures of what came before us, and we're nothing mm-hmm. is absolutely entirely original. I hate to break to break it to people. I think there's only I think I've heard a phrase that someone said once where uh, there are only like seven original stories ever, and we're all just making yep. copies exactly <laughs> of, uh, and variations yep. of that. Um, so like. This is just a fun, vast new universe, an expansive galaxy that t- takes place in space. And there, uh, frankly, if anything, it's more Seven Samurai than it is Star Wars, if you ask me. Yeah, like, no, it's should very be much saying, that. Is this Zack Snyder Seven Samurai? Yeah. <laughs> Which even that's probably the pitch there. Like he said, in, uh, in this, uh, this story originated when he was in college and the professor was like, write a quick pitch for me. And uh, Snyder was like, all right, I'll do a quick thing here. He's like, uh, Seven Samurai in space. And that's where it originated from. And the presser was like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Keep that in the back of your head if you ever want to do something. Um, so, you know, it's just, I think it's just an unfair criticism that people want to say whenever they, they want to bash something. It's always like, oh, it's an AI generated thing. That's a common criticism I'm seeing now. It's like, oh, they just put the script through AI and and the CG yeah. looks wonky. And I'm like, dude, this CG looks great. <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? And, and, you know, they say it's it's Star Wars. I'm like, well, which I, I'm assuming they mean A New Hope, right? Because they go, well, look, it's got, you know, it's got the bar and, and you know, Charlie Hunnam's character. He's like Han Solo and this is Falcon. Falcons. Like, yeah, there's no Luke in this movie, you know. Yeah, there is. It's not. It's not hero's journey. If anything, so they it, killed. They killed the Luke, Princess Issa. <laughs> so. Exactly right. They're, yeah, she's not. Yeah, yeah. Korra's not the chosen one. That's so. Yeah, it's it's very much. It's definitely much more Seven Samurai, 
which is a and, great story. That's why it's been done so many times. Oh, absolutely. And, so and it's going to be done 50 billion more times throughout the course of yeah. recorded history. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's a, such a simple a, concept. Right. We're going to see another Magnificent Seven. No one's going <laughs> to... Yeah. A direct copy of the Seven Samurai, just in a Western version. Like we're gonna, yeah. you're gonna see every variation of it known to man. Um, and frankly, I think this is a. I'm a big fan of people taking what existed before and then churning it through their own experiences and likes and interests, and then seeing what comes out on the other side. I don't know if you saw earlier this this year, uh, Craig, the um, the creator by gareth edwards that, that came out mm -hmm. another movie that i really loved and i hope to talk about on this podcast in the coming months here um that also kind of took the veins of his experience with lucasfilm and and fandom sure. of star wars and stuff like that and then put it through the cog of his brain and put it out on the other side even star wars themselves recently have done this kind of same approach with visions this is basically a, a star wars visions episode if you will <laughs> taking the yeah. inspiration and ideas of the hero's journey and what lucas set up and then putting it through their own filters and beliefs and cultures and then seeing what comes out on the other side without being hampered into the shoe shoe box that is current star wars canon which I think is great. It allows for so much more creativity and exploration into the into the world and the galaxy. So, you know, I, I think it's just um, um, a, a snarky critic critique whenever people just call it that, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree. I agree too. So what are your overall thoughts of this film? I know you've seen it twice. Maybe your first time you're like, yeah, a bit. but the second time, how is it? How, how are you? How are you sitting on the film right now as, as it currently stands? Okay, so it's not the best film. Mm -hmm. Okay, it doesn't have to be. It's I think it's it's certainly not the worst. It's a fun popcorn movie. Mm -hmm. And the second time I also watched it with the subtitles on, which I think is also important when there's so much also, world building going on. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of different planets. I also the Netflix put out a great like behind the scenes. Um, yeah, there's like a website where you scroll through. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, oh yeah, and there's like little Zack Snyder videos and stuff like him talking about. It. Once again, shows his passion for that. I also. Mm -hmm. Check that whole thing out before I watch it again. So I kind of have go a little more steeped in the lore. The first time I kind of just wanted to just wash over me and just check out the visuals. Uh, but there's so much going on. I think that's what kind of hampered my enthusiasm the first time. So I was just trying to catch up who's who, where is this, what are the politics of this place, that kind of thing. So having that basis the second time, like you mentioned, I can just kind of sit back and just watch Hmm. and try and pick up character motivations and some of the little bits of dialogue. Oh, I missed that the first time. That's why this is happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So any of these supposed plot holes are being sewn up. It's, a, it's amazing how many things get mentioned in dialogue that you didn't catch. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed it. My only, my only criticism, and I get why Netflix did a PG version and they're going to do an R-rated <laughs> version later. I get why, but they couldn't help but watch it and go, I want to see that scene in the extended one. I want the full version because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking Snyder cut justice league of Snyder cut was so mm -hmm. epic. And the better, you know, Batman v Superman, the Snyder cut was so much, the directors go so much better. Like I want, I feel like I kind of got the neutered version a little bit. And so I, I want, I want the full thing. So let me tell you what, Craig. Yeah. I have seen the film three times and I've also read the novelization which is based off of the three hour director's cut that is ah. coming out. So I know what is coming and nice. the, the, the quote unquote Snyder's cut of rebel moon part one, a child of fire. And boy, are you in for something? 
<laughs> nice. I like that you said the neutered version because yeah. I will my my first comment to people whenever they ask me what I thought about the novelization, I will say, well, it's very sexy. <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of adult themes in in that uh, a lot of sex that that bar is basically a brothel that that they walk into, mm-hmm. and uh, the the undertones are certainly there, but you get to see a lot, and there's a, a lot that happens in between when uh, Cora leaves the. The, the festival of harvest at the beginning of the the show uh, the movie versus and then when she goes back to her her uh, her home there <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot that happens in between that there's several pages in the story if you will um, okay. so there's a lot there's a lot that happens and it's very gruesome and bloody I will also say those are the other aspects yes. of it so I bet you could tell figured, in the film figured on that some, mm-hmm. um, some especially like a one Atticus noble getting his arm break uh, broken. <laughs> It's going to certainly have some uh, blood everywhere. Uh, but yes, yes, I, I, I think you're I, I think you're right. I am. But I will also in defense of the PG-13 cut, I think it's um, their attempt to allow kids to watch a bit more of this yeah. and to get involved in this, maybe sell some of those toys I've seen on in on the on the Internet <laughs> for this. Just to generate interest, too. And, and uh, you know, that was part of the deal that Snyder made. This isn't like uh, they went in and hampered the, the cut and stuff like that. Um, so this right. is, he's all for it. You know, I, this is a much different experience than BBS and, and justice league for sure. You know, he's not shoehorned into a two hour time frame, and they didn't go in and cut out 30 minutes. So very important plot that would have really made people's opinions change on it. I mean, it's amazing how the world has changed eight years later after 30 minutes were taken out of a movie. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a very awesome film, and I think that's uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. People are gonna change a lot of opinions on this film once they see that larger larger version of this movie with with all the intended things thrown into it. I also think too, ironically, a big criticism I'm seeing from people is that they're calling it like a part. It's suffering from part one syndrome, <laughs> which is yeah. I I think this that's probably some of the worst critique I've ever seen of a film ever. That's... Like. Does, they, they does, told Star Wars, does Star Wars get <laughs> you know, yelled at for being a part one? It's clearly a three-part trilogy. Dune was beloved by many and is certainly yeah. a part one. <laughs> that ended in a much more also awkward says place. Dune part yeah. one <laughs> at the end of it. Um, yeah. That's just, yeah. <laughs> Again, we could go That's into, just nitpicking we, there. We could spend yeah. a whole episode almost of just talking, breaking down some of these ne- negative nitpicks that people have had in this. Um, but I think, uh, just for me personally, to share my my point of view, um, uh, I watched the film as soon as it debuted at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I think December 15th, whenever it came out that Thursday, um, and stayed up till midnight to to when it concluded, and then. Uh, ferociously went back to sleep and then uh, woke up the next morning. And while I was working that day, I kind of had it on the background. So that was my part two, <laughs> my second viewing. And then the next day I watched it again for my third time. Um, I think the first time I certainly enjoyed it a, a whole lot, but again, it was that just wave of what just happened here. What hit me? Oh my gosh, this is the whole universe. I just stepped into. <laughs> I got to process what I saw here. And then um, seeing it again, that second time, as you mentioned, you're just able to just absorb everything. Oh, the, connecting the dots here. I'm able to spoil alert for everybody. I, I should have said this a long time ago. <laughs> We're talking full spoilers for Rebel Moon here. So if you haven't seen it, what are you doing at this point? Um, Seriously. The, the the Kai turn, if it is a turn, I think he's always an opportunist. And uh, oh, yeah. 
that was there from the beginning. I was like, uh, I should. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, how was I not seeing this from the start? Here, he literally says, "There's a bounty hunter outside their ship, yeah. taking off, keeping Absolutely. track of where he's like, going." He, he, I was like, "Oh, look at that!" He's totally shady from yeah. the start, and this dude is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Like he's two steps ahead of everybody. He got the whole group together there. He's going to make the biggest bounty in the history of the mother world <laughs> on this score, yeah. and everyone just fell in straight into the trap of it all. And in subsequent watches, when I watch with other people, I'm like, are they going to catch it? Are they going to catch it? I'm kind of like looking at them to see if they, they see uh, the bits and pieces falling into place before. It. And uh, so far, no one's caught it to a great degree. You're like, oh, I didn't really trust him because he kind of has that roguish Han Solo vibes to him. But, you know, I thought maybe he was going to do uh, the, the saving at the end. But no, he turns them all in, which is, hey, that's not everyone's yeah. good. I think that's the stark reality of the real world. <laughs> yeah. And he dies really quickly too, which I was, that was he does. one of the most surprising thing. It was like, yeah, well, you think he'd get away and you come back. No, we're going to take care of him pretty quickly. So. No, Gunner. Gunner took him. Yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh. Pretty quick. No, no coming back. No coming back from that one. I can mm. tell you that. No resurrections this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was, I thought it was a really great film. Again, I think, um, I and subsequent watches I've enjoyed it much more and then especially after reading that book I'm very excited for that um the 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 larger version to ex expand upon some of the criticisms people have had I the only really merited ones I could see is that people did maybe didn't have a full connection to the characters such as um like you know the, when they're picking up people along the way and I've seen it described yeah. as like little haikus they're just picking up people and they're going to share more in the larger version and certainly in the second Part two, they're going to get a lot more into the backstories of these characters. Um, so maybe that'll all subside when people have the full movie <laughs> at, at hand and they're able to watch all six hours at once. Um, but I, I just really felt like I was welcomed into this world. And maybe that's a weird way to put it, but I just felt like this was a great, fresh new take into the space sagas that we all love and enjoy. And... Um, I just I, I like some of the directions that they have taken already with this film. And um, it, I just I'm very excited for part two. Very excited for part two. That's where I'll leave off on that one. But, you know, a Snyder film, we've seen BVS. We've seen Justice League. We've seen Watchmen. We have seen Man of Steel. A Snyder film is nothing without strong visual elements and amazing action. So, Craig, let's first talk about cinematography. What were some of your favorite moments of cinematography in rebel moon part one a child of fire i mean it starts off immediately with that that opening shot of cora plowing the field in the foreground and they have that giant moon in the background just for yeah. scale like that was just mara. it's called mara too like it's it called mara whole, yeah, it's it, called yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a whole biblical thing happening there mm -hmm. um you know get the the ruth story from uh, from the bible and uh, yeah just the scale of that i thought was was amazing yeah. just beautiful and just it's unique like you hear yeah. like this is a moon of a gas giant or whatever like that's an avatar and it's an you know, endor mm -hmm. and all these different things look this is what it would look like if you were on the moon yes uh which i yeah. thought was was pretty great and then like shortly after that you have the king's gaze entering Velt's atmosphere oh. it it's just so ominous the way it comes in just it comes through the clouds through yeah. the clouds yeah just oh just yeah, these are things that we've seen a little bit in Star Wars, but not, I don't think even to that degree. Like that just mm -hmm. felt like we're in, we're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Tarek jumping onto the Bennu, 
uh, silhouetted in the sun, right? Oh. In slow motion, which I mean, I, I know people, that's the thing. They don't like the slow motion. I, I don't mind the slow motion in certain scenes like that. It was beautiful. Look, it's, it's a Zack Snyder film. This is what is his 11th film. <laughs> you know you're getting slow mo. Come on, yeah. people. <laughs> it's a trademark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so a couple other things I had too was um, there's one shot that's out of the doorway of the King's Gate, the dropship as they're leaving, mm-hmm. as they're leaving um, Sharon, is that how you say it? I think they had to kill the king with the tentacles, whatever the planet yeah, that is. Yeah, uh, uh, Shanu, Sharu, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't remember the pronunciation. I got the spelling, but I can't remember the, the uh, pronunciation. Uh, anyway, uh you see mushroom clouds. There's like a pair of them mm-hmm. coming up there. And it's it's just a great shot through the doorway and the way that these two guys are sitting there talking. It's, like, it's super casual. Like they just completely, oh, n- literally nuked the planet. Um, and then I think what's also incredible about that is like, this is ultimately what's going to happen to Velt. Yes. Like if yes. our heroes don't show up. And so that was just kind of like, yes, they're going to be destroyed, but also it's just going to be another notch on the belt of Noble. It's like, it's not that big a deal. No them to be just casually just completely raising these planets to the ground so yes uh and then the last one i just had was the again slow-mo of uh darian blood axe jumping toward the the gunner on the ship just who unfortunately doesn't make it there which made me sad but and ultimately he misses with the spear um but it's a great looking shot yeah 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 i well i'm gonna start with there like not only is it a great shot but I think that's one of my favorite moments of the film. Not the fact that he, he dies, but the fact that there right. are s- s- true stakes in this film. That he's not just a soldier of fortune leading a rebellion or being one of the major players and leaders of rebellion. That he leaps off of this thing, does this amazing action beat and stunt, and, and he misses. Right? If this was an a 80s yeah. action film with Schwarzenegger or Stallone, He'd have impaled him, right? <laughs> right? Like, Absolutely, yeah. But he misses, and the the guy's able, and but he still, even with that, he's able to. He gets shots. You get shot two times, and he is able to recover and and do uh, and take out the 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 ship uh, pilot before he himself perishes or falls to a, a horrible death, probably. But it just goes to show, like this is not your everyday universe here. This is not like a. a a fairy tale film where everyone comes out unscathed. Like there are some real stakes to this. There's some real world aspects to this universe that no one is safe. None of these, not all these characters are going to make it out alive. I hate to break it to people, but in part two, I bet you there's going to be a few of them that, that uh, have to make all the ultimate sacrifice. And that's why at the end, another great shot for me is them looking at Veld and seeing the, you know, the farming village that they're, they're, they're there to protect. This is worth a place worth dying for. This is a place mm-hmm. that, venerates kindness as its ultimate virtue, right? That's the best part of the film for me is when Cora's giving the thesis statement of why they're doing this. Kindness is a virtue worth dying for and fighting for. Um, they, they protected her. They brought her in. She was an outsider. They could have acted out of fear, but instead they brought her in, made her a part of the community, offered her asylum and a safe place to live and to be a part of them. And if she ever wanted to leave at any time, she, there was an open door, but they chose to be kind. They chose to be the adverse of the mother world, not taking everything. They, they, I love that in the beginning too, when they're, you know, we talked to, you said about uh, the, the Mara shot and it's just, there's the hard work that the people are putting into, you see the, the, the hard soil, the toil that it's taking on Korra's body in the, you know, the great shots of the beginning where um, she's working with the Iraqi to, to 
plow this this land like they have a connection like the the whole fact of them working to um making it a point to they have to work the land right they instead of bringing in machinery and robots and and other tech to make it faster for them like they feel a connection to it 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 gives them life they give back to the soil it gives them back um food in return like this symbiotic relationship it's it's this whole antithesis to that to that whole thing um but yeah that, that was my whole little tie right there <laughs> you, did, you oh, mentioned a great good. a great lot of of wonderful act of uh of visual shots and elements in this movie um i think for me too that mara one was just so epic at the beginning too i mean how how else do you start uh a, a foray into a grand space opera than showing that it is a grand space opera right you show the audience exactly what you're in you're stepping into this liminal space of of uh, a whole universe and galaxy you've never seen before and what way to great do that what great way to do that other than showing that you are in the footsteps of another planet <laughs> um so many man of steel you know feelings for me too seeing them work the the um the the farms and the land there with the the granary and seed i loved when the mother world comes and you see that drop ship like you mentioned coming out of the sky but core also drops in it the the seed and it goes into slow-mo there <laughs> so you really can feel the 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 stakes and the pressure that she uh the weight that uh, of stress that comes onto her in that moment in time um those are just some even all the ones that you mentioned i think are on my list here too the only one that i'll add is the um and it kind of is a great action moment too for me is the um kind of flashback sequence when she's lost her her uh, lover and they're on a um she's fighting with the mother world army and she's on some unknown planet and it's like a snowscaped landscape hellish scene with bullets and or whatever the laser bullets that they're flying back and forth with each other are on and uh it just it's an incredible action sequence and visually it's very stunning too. I, I mean, I wish I had more to explain about what it <laughs> actually is in, in context, but it just shows that the, again, that the mother world is not out to make friends. They're out to take and conquer. And it shows again in this world. And it's again, it's a real element of the real world is that there are truly evil people out there that do not care about anything. They just want to take and conquer. And that's it. That's their their only pleasure in life is to take from others. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I hate to break it to people, but that this is a truly horrific thing that does exist in our world. <laughs> and to deny it is denying an aspect of the real world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about visual elements. Let's get into some action here. You've talked to us a little bit there about the the Ray Fisher Darian Blood Axe scene. Do you have any other? action sequences that stood out to you in this film i mean the big one for me is the barn where cora saves sam oh yeah. kind of and especially the second time watching this i really enjoyed how this like the editing in this was pretty tight where she has just told the guy who she's who, kind of her adoptive father can't remember his name off the top of my head that she's gonna leave like we just got to mm -hmm. get out of here mm -hmm. and then it's like no she's gonna do something about it now because she's the only one that can yeah and yeah. so yeah that, that's a scene that i was different like i want to see the real version of that scene um <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot more in that <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot more in that but I, I love the fact that it reveals who she is she's super resourceful and using the different elements like the different weapons that are around there using mm -hmm. like like the soldier's body weight against them um and also it, it, that it serves as i mentioned it serves as kind of motivation for her mission that she re recognizes in this like she kind of reverts back to the Korra or the 
I can't remember how you say the the other name, the adopted name, Athelius or Arthelius. Arthelius, thank you. The Arthelius persona, right? And in that moment, um, and then of course you get to see Jimmy shows up at the end, and I need more Jimmy. Definitely more Jimmy. More Jimmy, Jimmy, because they and they had seeded, you know, Zach had seeded that so well that you know he had been befriended by by Sam, and like Mm -hmm. she took pity on him, and then. He shows up and like as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, he's gonna kill those dudes because he's like, that's my friend you're messing with. Yeah, and Eris too. Eris was one that befriended him too. <laughs> right. That is exactly. There. Yeah, I'll take more Jimmy any any day of the week. Like, yeah, that's if there's one gripe I have, it's more. I need more Jimmy. There's not. You're certainly Jimmy, gonna get a assume... lot more Jimmy in the, exactly. in the three hour version. Yeah, yeah. I can I can assure you, there's a lot more Jimmy and a lot more Eris really? too. You're going to get a lot more of, of his backstory. Like the whole first chapter of that book is his story of how he came to be in the army of the mother world. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to spoil anything here. So I want to keep you fresh on that one, but you're going to get a lot more of him too. And, and you'll make him to be a more sympathetic character throughout the, the course of the journey too. In that front. Yeah. More Jimmy. Well, I like how it, just, it ends with Jimmy too. In that cornfield. I yeah. mean, just like this guy's the watcher. He's going to be watching yeah. over this village and protecting them. Um, it's, well, I want to hear your thoughts on this one. I've seen the, the theory going around the internet about maybe Sam being princess Issa. Do you mm-hmm. think that there's potentially some merit to that? Like, I know they said they, Jimmy's couldn't, it was against their protocol. Like they all dropped their weapons when the slain King perished in the princess Issa. And uh, is there something that like triggered uh. his protocol to fire? <laughs> I can see that being a thing. I mean, it did cross my mind and I haven't actually read that, but I'm glad that that's, that's out there. I think that's a, it might be a red herring. It might be something that's mm-hmm. real. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're saying that she's essentially like reincarnated. So yeah, maybe yeah, that would be the reincarnated. That, 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 could, that would make sense. I can, I can see that being a thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind that personally. I think that yeah, it's fine. I mean, that'd be cool mythology too. Like, you know, yeah. uh, whenever the galaxy needs a princess Issa, they will create one. <laughs> kind of like a Star right. Wars, it's a very similar concept. Do we need a chosen one? Is there a chosen one out there? What is the prophecy? Prophecy misread, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah. All that stuff could come into play here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like Jimmy. Jimmy a lot. That's Yeah, Jimmy's just, great. It's like, Anthony Hopkins too. I mean, Anthony come on. Hopkins doing, voicing the, the, the crawl. Let's call it a crawl. That's what it was at the beginning Actually, <laughs> of this yeah. movie. Uh, I, as soon as he started talking and that galaxy opened up and uh, the ship started pouring through, I was like, man, we're in. We're in. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And then the, the panel it, it slides down the Rebel Moon title card and then you see Mara. Like, man, this is great. I'm all, I'm hooked. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think... I, just to add on to, uh, I I would also say that that was the best action sequence for me too, because it, it fits story wise too so well. And then also the end with Noble, like that was really just a great badass fight scene, uh, showing two yeah. great warriors at the peak of their abilities. I mean, I, what is Noble too? Is he an orc? Is a cyborg? What what's his deal? <laughs> uh, he's a great villain. That's for he's sure. A, he's a wonderful villain. I think he might be one of the best villains I've seen in recent, you know. And in a couple of years, probably since Steppenwolf, frankly, because I love villains without moral things holding them back. Right. I, I need to, I yeah. need some villains that don't care about help if they hurt people. <laughs> like, <laughs> no collateral damage here. Just 
be merciless, right? That's how you get the the most out of the action heroes in the in the end is by putting them against foes that have no reprisal whatsoever. Zod, Zod didn't care. <laughs> That's why Superman had to had to had to do what he had to do in Man of Steel, right? Like Zod wasn't gonna yes. stop. <laughs> no, he told you he wasn't. It was an act of war. It was an act of war. I mean, this is just so, amazing. Uh, but yeah, I, I did I love... to... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, I was going to say one thing I do have to throw in though is the is the Nemesis versus Harmada fight. Even oh, if it's yes. just to mention yes. the fact that the that the creature is called Harmada, which is <laughs> hilarious to me. It's a wink, wink. I think for sure to wink. Uh, something hmm. that went on behind the scenes at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Might be. It's also a great scene. I'm like, it's a good action scene too, and it's nice to see Jenna Malone again, really another person who's been know, you yes. know worked with Snyder multiple. Like this is at least the third time. Um, the, uh, so so I guess they're called back. like ma- magma swords too. Um, I can't remember exactly what their official designation. Not lightsabers, is. but they're not right. lightsabers. They're definitely oh. not lightsabers. And the fact Superheated that superheated blades. Yeah. Nemesis like also cut off the forearms of both her hands, so they're like robotic hands or metal. So that's mm-hmm. really the only way she can hold them, <laughs> because there's like the metal itself is like the the strongest metal. Of like Zach said, like if it. If you did it right and you threw it into the ground, it would cut all yep. the way through the planet. <laughs> yep. Which is Love just that. wild. Finally, a lightsaber actually, not a lightsaber, but a, a laser sword, whatever, <laughs> does what a laser sword is supposed to do and doesn't have limits. <laughs> um, yeah, no one's coming back from a, a, a hit to the gut with one of those things. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, the, other, the, the final thing I wanted to say about the... Um, the sequence with uh, Cora at the beginning is that I think Sophia Batella did all the stunt work for that too. Uh, at least it, from all the behind the scenes stuff, she did a, a vast majority of it, which um, not, not to deny the work, the great work that stunt performers do, but I just like that there's kind of this passion on Snyder's sets where actors want to do the stunt work, right? They're working out behind the scenes constantly. They have a gym on set. It's just like a, a, por- a, a point of pride for them to want to keep pushing themselves to do all the physical aspect of acting too. Um, I just think that adds to the performance and they can really embody what they were bringing into the character, into those action sequences too, which I find to be really cool. Um, Did you have a favorite character emerge from the group yet? I know we've talked Jimmy, but I don't think Jimmy would consider himself a part of the group yet. So if the the main group that is quote unquote, the defenders of this farming village, who do you think is uh, your standout? See, that's tough because, I mean, honestly, if, if I can't count Jimmy, my favorite character is Noble, which Noble, is horrible. Really? But he's <laughs> so is horrible. good. He's so good. Like, Ed, Ed Scrine is so just deliciously evil from the yes, beginning. And I is. just love that whole opening scene. It's just so tense. I oh. Like, he's a guy. He's so slimy. For, <laughs> yes. Oh, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, come in for a hug. Yeah, that's fine. Mm. Let's do that. Um, An awkward hug at that, yeah. too. It's like the oh, most yeah. oh, vicious hug. Yeah. <laughs> So I, you know, I don't know the the other characters enough. I mean, Cora is obviously the one we spent the most time with, mm-hmm. uh, and I I enjoy watching her on screen. I think she's she's charismatic and, and carries this film pretty well. Um, I've always been a fan of Jaime and Hansu, so I just want to see more of Titus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the others we just haven't we haven't seen enough of yet. And I but I was mm-hmm. sad to see Darian Bloodaxe die. That, that made me, I was like, oh, Cyborg's back. Yes, thank you. And then he's <laughs> dead in the first movie. Uh, so, it is a shame, I, yeah. I, yeah. 
So I'm going to hold that in reserve. I haven't quite gotten to know all of them quite enough yet, which is, that's one of the minor gripes that I would have is I, and like you said, we're going to get more, even if it's just in the second movie, we'll get some more in the extended version of this. And there's just not time if you're mm-hmm. introducing that many characters. I mean, it's, and I was literally counting. I'm like, I know there's going to be seven. So let me just go through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Exactly. And, and with more time, you'll get more characters and all the development too. And especially with the three hour cuts, once we have six hours of this film, I think we'll know everybody intimately <laughs> by, by the end of yeah. all things. Um, you'll probably even get a, a flashback too with the blood axes and, and we're even getting a comic about their backstory a bit too. So, you know, keep, we're keeping Darien blood axes memory alive here. That's right. <laughs> um, I think for me, the character that stood out to most was Gunner. Um, the other mm-hmm. Dario <laughs> we have in this movie from Game of Thrones. And uh, I just love that he, at the end of the day, like he's been, he he joined this quest primarily out of guilt, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of these characters have a lot of guilt that they're harboring um, for various reasons and, and different reasons why they're a part of this gang of, of misfits in a way. But you know, he's being touted as the the coward, the weak one. Like, you have no business being here. You're the one that, of all these people, they at least have some reason. Like, they're fighters. They are warriors. They're princes. They're princes. Like, they're, they're, rebe- they're rebellion leaders. They're literally target enemy number one for <laughs> for the mother world. They're the reason they're here. Um, and then when, the, when push comes to shove, he has a choice to make. And he could have chose the cowardly path of taking out Korra and their other members of the group when they're, they're um, in that climactic finale. But instead he says, no, I'm going to be courageous in this moment in time, which I think Gunner is almost like us. Like he's like the, uh, the audience. We can project sure. most of our, um, you know, understanding. And like, he, he's barely left the mother world too. So we're kind of seeing it through his eyes, like the way we would experience this too. Um, and just the fact that it shows that anybody, like, this great theme that no matter where you are, where you came from, what you've done in your life beforehand. When push comes to shove, if you're given a choice, you can make the right choice, which I think is a wonderful thing to learn and a a great lesson to take from all this. And um, he's no longer the gunner. What a great character. He's no longer the gunner that's, that's turning in people and and speaking out of line and, and, uh, and putting members of his quote unquote family to, to, to death in front of him. <laughs> uh, and now he's able to save his, his newfound family. And uh, I just found that to be a really powerful moment in the film. And it, is, it still stands to me all these uh, weeks later, now that we're talking about it. But uh, yeah, Gunner. Gunner was great. And I, I think there's a lot more of Tarek to, to explore in oh, the sure. part two and in the extended cut. Just this, this prince that is in shackles. So he's like, I'm not defined by this. And uh, we're going to, I think I think there's going to be a lot more of him and his backstory that is going to really make him be a China character. You've heard it here first. I'm going to, I'm I'm putting my bets on Tarek being a very big fan favorite in the coming weeks here. <laughs> um, so we're we're at my last my last question here. We'll see where this takes us on this on this wonderful journey here for Rebel Moon. So the film ends on a cliffhanger, right? Uh, Noble is dead, in my opinion, and then he's brought back to life somehow. I think he's kind of got some cybernetic attachments put on to him, uh, and they're able to infuse some sort of lifeblood into him. I don't know. The priests are a very weird aspect of this film, too, (laughs) that need a lot of uh, explaining, probably, in future cuts and and, and, uh, novelizations, backstories, all that stuff. Uh, But we're we're heading into part two on a cliffhanger, right? Uh, Noble's coming back. 
Belisarius knows that Arthelaus is out there, his adopted daughter, who he's been hunting for for many moons. So let's speculate for a bit. Where do you think the story goes from here? And that's a big so question. So this was, yeah, no, it's a huge question. And so initially I'm thinking, well, we're doing Seven Samurai, so they're going to get back there and they're going to train up the villagers and then they're going to fight them off because that's mm -hmm. what always happens, right? But this time through, as I'm listening and with the subtitles on, I catch the fact that like they fully believe that uh, the noble is dead. Yeah, yeah. And I think that they're like... Yeah, like that, they basically think, well, we're we're pretty good, and there's even some like, yeah, this would have been a good place to die. Like we're back, and that's great, but like mm -hmm. there's really not an imminent fight coming. I don't think that's how our heroes view this, and so I'll be very curious to see if that fight doesn't come quickly, mm -hmm. and then they f are not prepared. Yeah, do you and think like he does like a poorly. quick strike attack, and he's like, oh, like oh. I could, I I kind of I could see that, and I kind of hope for that. About mm -hmm. and on also the thing with. Um, Belisarius wanting uh, Noble to bring Korra to him like I can see that being combined with like we're gonna have to take the fight to him and like oh, that's yeah. what I kind of like I'd kind of like to see that where it's not okay now let's we've set up that it's seven samurai now let's subvert that narrative mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right let's this is the and you know there's also talk about how this is like you know the, this is one of the first battles but like it's the beginning of turning the tide where you have this this actually this is the impetus for this there's because there's not really a full-scale rebellion which is another non-star wars thing yes there doesn't seem to be any other than the blood axes right just a couple so people I, banding together yeah <laughs> that's about it so like i can see they're maybe turning it into a more traditional space opera in that way too mm -hmm. uh, and i really want to see how jimmy gets involved like that's my big i like jimmy so much <laughs> Yeah, more Jimmy, more Jimmy. I think more that's Jimmy, the, big, the big takeaway from this episode is that somehow, some way, we need a lot more Jimmy infused into this story. <laughs> yeah, but I just Do you don't think see, a... you know. Yeah, go ahead. I was just say like, so there's a there's three hours left, right? There's a three hour second part. That, to me, that that's not just we get train we train up and then we have one battle. Mm -hmm. That's there's mm -hmm. not enough to fill that. So I I think there's going to be some some up and down and. I really, do, I, I really do hope he pays off the, you know, go get my daughter for me thing and have that mm -hmm. big fight. And I want to see them go to the mother world. Let's do that. So I got two questions for you here. We'll start with one of them. Do you think there's a chance taking from the Lucas idea of, of what the second chapter is? Do you think this one ends dark? <laughs> do you think there's perhaps a dark ending? Do you think this Ooh. is a lot darker of a film? <laughs> mm. That would be interesting. Do you think that oh. subverts the expectation of the seven samurai? Perhaps it ends in maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe the village doesn't survive. Maybe they all don't make it. <laughs> maybe the flash has to come amazing. back in and say, and turn time back so that they can figure it out again. <laughs> do it, Zach. Run it really dark. The critics are going to hate no matter what you do. Um, That's true. I, I don't That's think true. it doesn't matter what yeah. he does. <laughs> I don't think ultimately that it will. I think that we'll at least get, I mean, if it's successful, and it, clearly the first part has been successful, whether or not the mm -hmm. critics have liked it, it's been massively I mean, Netflix, popular. Let me on, just say, Netflix. Netflix does not care about critical reception. They no, care about no, viewers and hours viewed. <laughs> so I, I see it probably going more or less self-contained, but with like, there's still a threat out there. That's that's mm -hmm. how I see it going. Mm -hmm. So then my my follow-up question to that, do you think there's a third chapter of this? 
because in my opinion, I don't think the story wraps up in the next three hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't see I don't see how you could. I think we've just barely scratched the surface on on this story. Yeah, and you said it right for how the the rebellion, what exists of this rebellion, the shambles of a group that are, are the only people that we know of that are fighting back against the mother world in some capacity. There's no way that they're taking out Balisarius and going to his domain and taking him out. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> the no fact way. that that that's the only the only group that's mentioned by the bad guys is the blood axes. Mm -hmm. That tells me like they're the only ones that are of any kind of threat at this point. It would seem like another fighting force of that magnitude would be on their radar as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Noble's on a quest to take them out. And I wonder what he'd do afterwards. Would he just keep going to pillaging worlds? I mean, <laughs> what else is there after him after this point? I feel like he's just toy with them to keep them around so he has something to do. <laughs> yeah, an army runs on its stomach, man. He's just got to go find more food. That's right. He's got to go keep harassing other villagers and farmers around around the various systems and planets there. Dude, Noble is so wild. When he just knocks out King Leviticus just in cold blood, yeah. <laughs> when he's having that whole speech too of, I don't understand, I understand honor, but I don't understand charity. <laughs> oh man, truly gruesome yeah. stuff there. Oh yeah, the, the murder of Sindri too, man. That was just, oh, it was like, oh my gosh, I think he's yeah. going to take Gunnar out. No, he's not. He's going to take out the other guy. And that's a, just wait for that extended cut because that's it doesn't play out the oh. zach is he's noted that he reshot scenes for the like you'll see the exact scene and it plays out the same mm. way but it'll be a little it'll look a little different gotcha. <laughs> um, the yeah, kind of would have to do it that way yeah yeah, yeah. um hey i don't I, I gotta think there's gotta be some third chapter again maybe they're taking some inspiration from that lucas of it all <laughs> maybe there is uh, a return of the jedi in some sorts for this story where they go to the mother world which again we got to find out what's what's up with the whole galactic politics of this all was I, i'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole thing to begin with like what is the king was the slain king before he died carry carry use the uh the king of all ten thousand worlds or were they all just kind of people just governing themselves and he just started taking them over it, I, I gotta sit yeah. down and think through this a lot more in, in grander detail. <laughs> this is why, again, it goes back to that point of how can someone just watch a movie, come out of the theater, write up a you know a quick review where they have to put in pithy, you know, um, a pithy title, a, a clickbait thing, uh, something that um, aggravates a fan base or two <laughs> to get you know people to go to their site to sell ad revenue. <laughs> and and uh, to truly digest it all, you just can't after a first viewing. Like it's just impossible. Yeah. No, I I think it's it, the same way that Netflix doesn't care about reviewers. Like reviewers don't care about whether or not they got it right. That's right, and they're they're not going to apologize. You know, they're going to say that's my review and that's it. Yeah, I sympathize with the fact that they like that's their job and they got to get it out quickly and clickbait sells and kind of is what it is. It's just. The system is a little bit broken at this point. It's a co it's a cognitive system, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Craig, we've talked a lot about Rebel Moon. Do you have any other further thoughts about this film or leading off into part two? Anything? Floor is yours. It's it's a long time to wait for for more. I'm I'm a little yeah. The release thing is 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 kind of a bummer. I was hoping that I would get to see the because they're going to do part two like the PG thirteen and then yeah, and then roll out the, the director's cut. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I get that. I just think, and again, they don't care about the, 
care about the reviews. The reviews are going to be bad again. Oh, I can tell sure. you right now. <laughs> I could probably write the review. It's going to be worse. It's going to be even <laughs> it's, worse. It's going to be worse. You didn't pay up, blah, blah, blah. Um, I enjoyed the film. Like, I will watch it multiple times. I don't know if this is not what's maybe it's not my favorite Zack Snyder film, but I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next hey, that, that three, three hour cut might be your maybe your best version of it. It might make uh, put it up to the it's top. It's not gonna be Man of Steel, but it's, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not gonna, it just won't be. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy supporting Zack Snyder's work, and and I'm just I'm thrilled that you're doing a show like this where you just can say, Hey, you know what? I have a voice, and and I enjoy this and it's totally fine if you also enjoy this and if you don't that's fine too yeah, so that's right kudos my friend thank you thank you artist subjective we're all allowed to have our opinions and at the end of the day it's just a movie it's just a movie yeah <laughs> there will be other movies to talk about <laughs> uh there's a chicken run sequel on netflix too that we can e equally <laughs> talk about which is just as fun right. <laughs> so like you know netflix is churning out content there'll be something new next week a new conversation echoes coming out next week at the time of recording this like there's always something new around the corner <laughs> yep. um and we just get to enjoy the fun stuff and if you don't like it then move on with your life you don't need to <laughs> that's my thesis again you don't need to yeah. har har harbor on negative emotions for years after a film came out you just don't have to watch it <laughs> you don't have to engage yeah. with it and it's for totally people fine. that like something you also don't need to engage with negativity <laughs> you can just exist so that is the final thesis statement for here craig where can the fine folks find you online and your wonderful podcast reading between the reels uh yeah reading between the reels we uh review movies and break them down find the hidden meaning in different aspects like cinematography and sound and those kind of things. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're out every other Wednesday. Uh, by the time this releases, our most recent episode will be a... It's, we're going to actually... The, the three of us are going to reveal our top five movies of all time, which is a very hard thing to do. Oh, wow. It's very hard to do, but I think it, it's kind of a natural extension. of. We've been having some conversations in the shows of, oh, you didn't like this? Why didn't you like this? And so to mm. kind of get a baseline a little bit to figure out where are you coming from? What is it that you actually like? And I think it will stimulate Ooh. some really interesting conversations between the three of us and hopefully between or amongst our listeners. So, yeah. That's a fascinating conversation. And I don't even know where I'd start if <laughs> to just dilute it yeah. to five. It's rough. And I, they said, well, can I just, can I do like a series? No, you can't. Nope, can't. You can't just yeah. say Star Wars. Nope, can't do it. Oh, so I have individually. I agree on my list. But yeah, that same makes thing. You couldn't just say Lord of the Rings, right? You nope, just can't, can't say Middle it. Earth. You can't say Harry Potter. You can't <laughs> make it hard. That's more you gotta, fun. You gotta, you gotta dilute it to the specific. You can't even say the Dark Knight trilogy, right? You gotta say it's Batman Begins. You gotta say it's the. You, if you want them all three, that's three spots right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There will be Good some luck. honorable mentions on there for sure, but. Yeah, so that's yeah. what we'll be doing. And then I think our, our next one after that's going to be, uh, we're going to take a look at Mr. and Mrs. Smith because of the uh, the reboot on Amazon. So ah, yes. we'll do that. And then, yeah, we'll get some of the things. Yeah, we're going to look at, we're going to take a look at Denny Veneuve's Dune coming out later this year because oh, part two is coming out and a few other things um, that we've been waiting on for a while. So. Yeah, a lot of great stuff coming out in the new year for Reading Between the Reels. Yeah, and, and up to your five film thing too, it's like, it also depends on what films people have seen too, because like, I I know for me because of my upbringing, <laughs> there's a lot of films and that I'm still catching up on. Like, I'll tell you, Craig, I saw The Godfather for the first time a few weeks ago. <laughs> like, interesting. If you'd have yeah. asked me before that, that wouldn't have been included on that list, and now it might be. So <laughs> it's like it's very predicated on what you have actually seen. <laughs> 
uh, if you'd have asked me before 2017, I would have not have included Raiders on that list. But you know, it's again, right? It's what you have, yeah. what you've seen. <laughs> so that's wow. going to be some of it too. Yeah, what's your experience level with? Because some of these things, maybe maybe they're great movies, you just haven't seen them yet. So hopefully that will also spark some of those. Hey, let me go. Let me go check that out. So exactly, and when you hear the passion behind it too, like people, that's what sells me more than anything to see something. If someone is like, "Yeah, this is such a great film," and here are the reasons why, like, okay, you've made a solid argument. I can, I, I'll, I'll consider it. Like I, I do a lot more than people going, "Yeah, I watched that TV show last week. It's pretty good." They're like, okay, <laughs> that's all I do when someone says yeah. that. Like, all right, I probably won't watch it, <laughs> but I'm glad you enjoyed it. But if someone is like putting forth almost a five paragraph essay, if you will, on, on why it's an enjoyable film for them and why it stands above so many others. And that's, that's, that's true conversation about cinema there. And, and a big fan of, of the show. And uh, I can't wait to hear these episodes when they come out then. So thank you again for coming on to Forest Ghost Conversations and chatting all things Rebel Moon. We will certainly have you back on for part two in April. April 14th, I think, is uh, the release date for part two or somewhere close to then. And then sometime after that, we'll get those three-hour cuts, and then we'll revamp our entire conversations and 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 think through how how they've changed over the course of the couple months and weeks, and maybe we get more more Rebel Moon. I think there's there's certainly the comic book series about the Blood Axes that are coming out from Dark Horse, and uh, I think there's maybe like a tabletop RPG game that's supposed to explain a lot about the universe. Uh, there might be a, I think Zach's talked about maybe doing like a role like a massive um, MMORPG for the consoles in this universe. Sky's the limit, frankly, when it comes to Rebel Moon. I think Netflix certainly has the backing of it all. Uh, you can now get profile icons on your Netflix account. You can make Zach your profile icon, which Love I think it. is pretty rad. No other director has <laughs> done that to this point. So this man has truly made his mark on the zeitgeist of popular culture. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk all things Snyder. And uh, you know, uh, we're here at Forest Ghost Conversations. It's your cozy home for deep dive discussions into all things Star Wars and adjacent Star Wars things too. So we're talking Rebel Moon. We're going to talk the creator. We're going to talk Dune probably. We're going to talk all that fun stuff here because we can. And <laughs> I've made it so. So uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next time next week with a brand new discussion. I think we'll be talking about a deep dive into Anakin Skywalker as a character. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, we'll be back very soon on your podcast feed. So may the force be with you. Take care. Thank you.